inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziggler's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. Zig makes a good point in today's podcast. He says that all the information won't work unless you do. It is great to hear inspirational stories of people who have overcome tough circumstances. But please don't let it end there. You also can overcome whatever obstacles you are facing today. Turn it up so we can listen to Zig together. On March the 10th, 1981, on a beautiful, clear day, a young man was flying his airplane. His name was Morris Goodman. Enormously successful life insurance salesman. Had been taking care of himself all of his life. Had succeeded in everything that he had attempted to do. However, that particular day, something went astray with that airplane. Uh, he ended up in a very serious crash. His spinal cord was crushed. Half the muscles and ligaments in his neck were destroyed. His neck was broken at the first and second vertebrae. His jaw was crushed, as were his larynx and voice box. The nerves in his diaphragm were so badly damaged that it wouldn't work, and he couldn't breathe on his own. He was unable to swallow. His bowels, bladder, and kidneys stopped functioning. All the experts said the odds on survival are over a million to one. And if he does survive, he will simply be a vegetable. The situation was not good. But Morris Goodman said something there that I think is enormously significant. He said the doctors were basing their opinions on test results and past cases. I was basing my expectations to fully recover on a will to live and a will to recover. The classic concept of optimism and positive thinking, along with a deep belief in the potential within each one of us. Let me say it again. He had succeeded before in everything he had tried. He had been taking care of his body with uh, doing the proper things, eating the right food from a nutritional point of view, exercising, following a strict regime all of his life. He was in a position now where the odds were so enormously high that he would ever be able to do anything, couldn't communicate with anybody. His sister devised a card system which enabled him to blink his eyes and uh, communicate very effectively with the people. Uh, He went through a lot of turmoil, a lot of difficulty along the way. On November the 13th, 1981, Just a few months after they had said he would not live, he walked out of that hospital. Now, today he's been bear hunting, deer hunting. He travels all over the world speaking. He's running a camp for uh, underprivileged boys, uh, giving them a chance in life. They made a movie about him, uh, The Miracle Man, and I'm very delighted to be able to say that the movie says quite a bit about the fact that he was listening to the motivational tapes that I had prepared. And he said it made a difference. It helped his attitude when things were tough. You look at the picture of this guy, and here's what you find. Number one, he saw himself from the first day. He visualized himself as walking out of there healthy and hunting. He had the capacity to focus, to zero in on that one goal of doing that. Had a tremendous desire and a will to win. He had the discipline and the commitment, and he had the persistence that was going to be necessary. 
President Coolidge had this to say, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence, determination, and hard work makes the difference. Now the game of life. We've talked a lot about what total success is. I sometimes fear because I've said so little about money that a lot of people don't think that I have an interest in financial success. Absolutely, I do. Anybody, as I said earlier, uh, you know, that uh, says they're not interested in money will lie about other things too. I believe that's absolutely true. But money is just one of the things in life. But I want to tell you something because a lot of people are unaware of this. Millionaires are boring. Now, any way you cut it, folks, millionaires are boring. As I said earlier, less than 1% of all of the millionaires in America are involved in athletics, music, television, and the movies all combined. 99 plus percent of them are people just like you and me, people who are listening to this recording. Now, The Lewis Harris Poll of People earned over $142,000 a year and had a net worth of over a half million dollars, not including their homes, described these successful people as being unexciting, middle-aged, and cautious. They emphasized family values and the work ethic. 83% of them were married. 96% of them acquired their net worth through hard work. 80% are politically conservative or middle of the road, and they are relatively non-materialistic. In other words, their goals went beyond money. 85% said that their major objective was to provide for their family. Only 11% rated owning an expensive car as being very high on their totem pole. Prestige and the badge of success doesn't matter to them nearly as much as family, education, and their business or job. Then they kind of summed it up by saying, not much excitement, but lots of happiness. They have a good standard of living, but infinitely more important, they have an excellent quality of life. Persistence, consistency, discipline, and hard work make the difference. Their lives seem to be in balance. Another study by Thomas J. Stanley in Medical Economics, July 20th, 1992, showed almost exactly the same thing. The profile of a wealthy person is this, hard work perseverance, and most of all, self-discipline. The average wealthy person has lived all his adult life in the same town. He's been married once and is still married. He lives in a middle-class neighborhood next to people with a fraction of his wealth. He's a compulsive saver and investor, and he's made his money on his own. Eighty percent of America's millionaires are first-generation rich. Did you hear that? 80% are first-generation rich. Sound like opportunity is still alive and well in our great country. Attitude is the greatest difference between millionaires and the rest of us. They skimp on luxuries, but are more willing to pay top dollar for good legal and financial advice. The self-made rich develop clear goals for their money. Got one of the most exciting bits of correspondence about a month ago. I've ever received. Young man named Rich Rusin, who lives in Northridge, California, says, seven years ago, I was strung out on drugs and alcohol. I was completely bankrupt in all areas of my life, financially, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. 
Now, I want to emphasize something here as I talk about this young man. I've talked throughout the series about people like Mother Teresa and what she's done, about Gloria Hogg, the Afro-American who was a racist, and how applying the philosophy we've been talking about, how she came to love people of all uh, colors and persuasion. I've talked a lot about Jerry Arrowwood, uh, the dishwasher who went on to become the vice president in charge of sales of a multi-million dollar cosmetic company. I talked about Janet McBaron, uh, the nurse who weighed over 200 pounds, smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day, been a nurse eight years, ended up going back to medical school and became a doctor, working her way through medical school. Today, she has three clinics. Her books have sold over a half million copies, and yet her number one joy in life is to teach the functionally illiterate how to read. I've talked about Pam Lantos, who was under psychiatric care for five years. Her psychiatrist said she'd never get any better. She was 50 pounds overweight. Uh, She was miserable in her life. She started applying the concepts we're talking about, and less than four years later, she was the vice president in charge of sales for the Disney radio chain. Has published a best-selling book since then. Travels all over speaking. I've talked about Tom Hartman, the man who weighed well over 400 pounds and who had all kinds of difficulty to go along with it. And what happened to him when he followed the principles we're talking about. And I simply say all of those things to let you know that we're not experimenting. We're not talking a, a philosophy that might or might not work. We're talking about something here that definitely, absolutely, and positively works if you will work it. This young man, uh, Rick Rusin, is saying he was a high school dropout, no formal education or business experience, but he did have a burning desire and a willingness to change. I knew for things to change, I had to change. For things to get better, I had to get better. Boy, I love that. In order to change, he said, I started going to AA. There's where you find help. You see, one of the interesting concepts is that all of the 12-step programs will not work unless the person who is being treated does something for somebody else. The only way they can stay sober is to be sharing the benefits of sobriety to other people. They are on call. I've had a couple of members of my family who were participants in AA. And they would get calls at midnight and 3 o'clock in the morning. And they would get up literally and go and be with that person to get them through the crisis. And they will tell you a thousand times that's the only way that they were able to beat uh, that alcohol problem. That was his first step to a better life. He said, I developed some faith in the future and shut the door on the past. Boy, that is so important. I've said it a dozen times throughout the series. You've got to make friends with the past in order to focus on the present so you can make your tomorrow what it is capable of being. Now, the first two years he got on this program, he drove an old 1967 Dodge Dart, rented a house, and then sub-rented uh, several of the rooms just to make the uh, rent each month. He said he was patient. It's tough getting started back there. Uh, but as he continued to go to the meetings and he started listening to the health aspect of getting uh, success in life, he went from over 200 pounds down to the 163 pounds. He's now 32 years old and he says he's in the best shape of his life. 
He said, I started reading the affirmations. Now, every set of tapes in this entire uh, three-set tape series has a little card in it where you claim the qualities of success. He said, I've been reading the affirmations in the morning and before bed for over six years, and it's made a dramatic difference in my life. I always am telling people I'm feeling super good, but I'm getting better. Uh, I always uh, like to emphasize that they might not get anything out of it, but it makes me feel good in the very process of saying this. He said, my belief system completely changed. He went from thinking he was not worth $500 a week to believing he was worth over $25,000 a week. He bought the idea that you can have what you want if you'll help enough other people get what they want. Last year he earned in excess of $300,000. He lives in a home worth over $750,000. He wears nice clothes, all of the things that everybody says they really want. But then he kind of summed it up by saying, and then the important thing is, I have a wife and two beautiful children, and I have more delight in my family than any other phase of my life. My family life is uh, infinitely better than it was. He said, I wake up, I look forward to what I'm going to do that day. I love my life. I love the people around me. He goes ahead to say he came from a dysfunctional family. Generation after generation uh, had been a dysfunctional family. Divorce, alcoholism, child abuse, and everything else. He changed his direction in every area of life, physically, mentally, spiritually, and has changed and changed completely. Why do I say that? If you don't like who you are and where you are, don't sweat it, folks. You're not stuck there. You absolutely can grow. You absolutely can change. I can't help but be inspired by the stories of people who never give up. So let me ask you, what obstacle is standing between you and your success? How can you persevere and get through it? Remember that when you are hard on yourself, life is easier on you. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance.